0: The Fake Show Podcast would like to welcome our newest sponsor, Threads of Envy, with great t-shirt and hat designs. We're also sponsored by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan. Craft House Brewery, The Tone Factory Recording Studios, Moonshot.com, and Mr. Antenna. First of all, Danica Patrick is the most successful woman in the history of American open-wheel car racing. Her victory in the 2008 Indy Japan 300 is the only win by a woman in an IndyCar series race. She's landed on Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People list. Perhaps most important, she's appeared on The Simpsons and South Park. She's a great TV sports analyst, and all of her businesses seem to do well, including her wine line. I've got Danica Patrick on the line right now. Danica, welcome. Hope you are well this morning. How's it going? Very good. Thank you. I was a big fan of yours when you raced here in Las Vegas. How did our track, the Speedway here, stack up against the others?
1: Uh, it was fast. I mean, it was a lot of grip, pretty smooth, and um, and really fast.
0: Fast because it was newer?
1: I mean, I guess that's probably where the grip comes in. As, as, uh, as asphalt wears, it creates, you know, it loses, um, it gets more... Um, rough, it gets uh, loses a little bit of traction. So, um, but when the track is really smooth, is um, it ex- it helps a lot in the aerodynamic department because you can run a car stiffer and lower. So you're you're using more of the aerodynamics of the car. Um, where when you have a rough track, you have to raise the ride height, you have to um, soften the car usually, and those things kind of just are they don't quite create as much speed.
0: You once said that as race car drivers, our job is to drive the cars to the edge. How long did it take you to get comfortable with that?
1: I've spent my whole career trying to get comfortable. With that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was kind of the, of the game, it was just, you know, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. And um, I ended yeah. up realizing when I was done racing, that it was actually, like, what I really did love about racing was that discomfort. I actually really find myself seeking opportunities where I can get outside of my comfort zone and push that limit. Um, I thought I didn't like it when I raced, but it just I ended up realizing that was what pushed me and fueled me.
0: Yeah, and I mean, when you're working as an analyst now and you're on the ground level, as you see cars go by, do you think, Whoa, can't believe I did that.
1: I, I do, actually, yeah. I mean, I remember when I broadcasted the Indy 500 for the first time a year after I raced in it um, for the last race of my career, and I was, like, snacking on some, like, apple chips, and I was, like, the green flag was dropping, and I thought, God, what a different year this is. And then I remember thinking... This was crazy what I did.
0: Uh, right. <laughs> well, and, you know, as a young girl and as a lot of drivers, you start out as a go-kart driver. Was there a plan to eventually move up or was it just an organic progression for you?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, it was all a progression. I mean, it just started in go-karts and, um, and then, you know, transitioned into cars. And, you know, you just kind of keep climbing that ladder, The the... The challenge in racing is that there's no single path. Um, there's a lot of ways to get to the top. And um, so that's great, but it also means you can kind of get lost in it. So, I, you know, I'm grateful I was always, I you know, I was at the right place at the right time and, you know, was able to show what I could do when I needed to and, and had people that believed in me.
0: And I think it was your dad who said, don't worry about the guy versus girls thing, just be the fastest.
1: That was just the point. Like, he didn't care how fast. I was compared to anyone. He wanted me, whether it was a guy or a girl, he wanted me to be as fast as I could be. So if I was a couple tenths quicker than people, everyone else, which is a lot actually, um, you know, he wouldn't necessarily rest there. It was like, if I can go faster, if we can go faster and make go-kart faster, we did. And so then sometimes I'd be a half a second quicker than everybody, you know, and and so it was really about achieving my full. Well, not my potential against
0: people. I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast pretty intense because you, you're talking to people like yourself who are at the top of their game, and and I'm not just blowing smoke here, but you're really good at the art of conversation, which you can't say that about everybody who has a podcast.
1: <laughs> well, thanks. I, 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 that probably some of the later ones, too, because... I mean, I had to learn some lessons in listening. I mean, I, lo- I do listen, but like I would interrupt or I would share too much about myself. And, you know, sometimes I was doing that to try and uh, get people more comfortable to share about them. Um, but in the end, I realized that the most important thing you can do is just really be quiet and listen to them and allow them like a full opportunity to finish their thoughts and then perhaps even pause long enough for them to continue their thought because, it's like I answer this, and then you sit there and not, and you don't say anything. The nature of the environment is to fill the space, and so you know you can get a you can get more out of people even with that technique. And so I, I did learn that the hard way, though.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally understand that. Um, you, one of the guys you talked to, former NBA star Chris Bosh, he talked about the fear of losing, and I know that you could put yourself in his place, right?
1: Oh, yeah. We we were totally, we both agreed on that one. It wasn't the love of winning, it was the fear of losing. And, you know, people, I remember when I was a kid and people would ask me, you know, what did I fear the most? And I was like, I failure. I mean, I don't fear the speed. I don't fear, I fear, I fear failure. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, we resonated on that one.
0: When you interviewed uh, Alex Honnold of Free Solo Fame, do you feel like, uh-huh. well, that's something I might not try to do?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm definitely not pre-soloing and then, um, outside of that, I, I mean, I actually, I remember when I was much younger, I did like, I climbed one time at a, like a, this sort of place that had like big rock wall, big walls with the colorful fake rocks on them, Yeah, And I was pretty good. I, I did like it. Um, it really encourages someone that has a lot of, um, upper body strength and flexibility. Um, So I I did okay, But, um, you know, his adventures are just out of this world. So um, I'm going to let him be that guy. uh, I would need a lot
0: of (laughs) ropes if I was doing it. You did uh, you did an episode with your pal Kyle Larson, who's just had an extraordinary time in in racing. It was really it was really an insider's view because you guys had spent so much time with each other on the road.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It was fun. It's fun to talk to people that are your friends, too, and, um, you know, uh, it's great to be able to, for people to see that other side of them, too, and and, and and myself, and, you know, being able to get a little bit deeper and a little bit more personal. Um, <clears throat> so, and, and also for a race car driver, like, it's not, we don't do a lot of podcasts and we don't do a lot of long format, and so we do a lot of three-minute interviews, five-minute interviews, you know? It's like... Very, very quick stuff, and so, um, you know, it's also a good opportunity for fans to kind of know, get to know Kyle a little bit better in a long format, so um, I love Kyle, I love his wife, Caitlin, Um, they're both really great people.
0: Tell me about your wonderful wine line, Danica Rosé, is is that the bottle that glows in the dark?
1: Yeah, it does glow in the dark, (laughs) and um, so... The Danica Rose launched in 2020, which is the most magical year for anything to launch.
0: Right. And then,
1: um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, um, uh, and, uh, but it came as a result of really loving wine and being involved in the wine, wine world already. So I started Somnium, which is a, um, Napa Valley vineyard that, um, I started from scratch. So, um, I bought it in 2009 and finally had wine to sell in 2017. So, um, yeah, the Danica Rosé brand is a, an extension of loving wine and um, loving French wine. And so, yeah, and then it kind of parlayed itself into ca- a candle company that just launched um, just this year, uh, which is made in wine glasses. So when you're done with the candle, it turns into a wine glass. Oh, my God. It was inspired from my trip to Egypt last February, where I, where I learned so much about the power of plants flowers and scents and oils and, you know, the biological effect and emotional effect they have on you. So I turned those um, into four different candles that kind of curate the house.
0: Beautiful. And where can people order the wine and the candles?
1: Um, Probably the easiest thing is to honestly just to go to my Instagram, which is just my name, and then there's links to all of them. But they're all very, I mean, like, we're really direct. Consumer with all of it. So you can order them all online at Boy and By Danica.com or dot or Danica Rose com. So, um, yeah, all you know, brick and mortar are a thing of the past. It's ordering online
0: now. Yeah. Exactly. Danica, I know you're such a busy person. Thanks so much for your time. It was an honor to talk to you.
1: Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it.
0: Now, I'm more of a craft beer drinker, but my wine-drinking friends say that Danica's wine is incredible. And of all the great business moves that she has made over the years, I think breaking up with Aaron Rodgers was the best. That finishes off this episode of The Fake Show Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Jim Tofty. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.